This is Emma. <laughs> Emma, uh, she went to NMU. She's got a year under her belt. Uh, she's going to be going in May uh, over to Indianapolis, Indiana to work at the Shepherd Center uh, with some inner city kids, uh, some child care kind of things. And so uh, she's excited for that. And, and going with her is kind of our adopted daughter, uh, Casey. Casey is at NNU right now, and she's one of the, you're a junior, right? So she's a junior. She's going to be doing the same thing. Um, and then my youngest daughter, Sarah, they're loving this. I'm, you just got to know they're loving it. And then our newest addition, our newest daughter is Annika. You can just wave your hand, Annika, or just sit there. That's fine. Um, you love to meet Annika. She's our newest as of this week. And so our, our young, really our youngest, youngest daughter. And so uh, she's here. And you guys are here. And so I'm so glad. Give yourself a round of applause, would you? Man. This is one of those Saturdays where you kind of just like want to be at home, you know, watching something on TV. Uh, I don't know what, except NASCAR Clash, you know, that's coming. Just told it was rescheduled or something for today, so I got to be fast. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, uh, I had some news this week I wanted to share with you. Um, you know, I know the, how the process with the church goes, the, the church board and the candidate candidacy and all that. And I was thinking, well, what can I share with you guys today? If this is like the one shot time I ever get to speak to you, you know, <laughs> it could be. I don't know. That's up to you and the Lord, but. Um, some statistics recently kind of were published. It's probably longer than when I found them on the internet, but it's the, the statistics for last church year for the, the 2022-2023 and uh, some interesting things and just some things to praise God about. And so I printed it out. That's what I got in my hand here. Um, the total church membership, we're talking global church of the Nazarene, 2.7 million Nazarenes in the entire world. That's awesome. That's an increase of 2.69% over the year before that. So cool. And, and the coolest part is when you think about where that growth took place. Uh, the biggest growth, over 10% last year, was in the Asia-Pacific region. Isn't that exciting? Man. Africa continues to grow. It, it grew by almost 8%. Uh, Mesoamerica, Central America kind of area in the Caribbean, uh, it grew by 1.41%. South America grew by over 3%. There were a couple of declines, and we need to keep this in mind, what's going on in these regions. First of all, in the Eurasia region, it kind of went down by 22%. Now, you know, that includes Ukraine. That includes that whole area over there. And so we need to be praying for that church. I know we're doing all we can to support them through our missions giving and our missionary sending, uh, but that's vital. And the last one that really disappointed me was the USA Canada. Now, we declined, but it was only by 0.3%. So it's not that bad. But when I go to the 10-year the looking back, that's when I kind of get disturbed because it shows that every single world area grew over the past 10 years, except for the USA Canada, which declined by 11%. Oh, as a pastor, my heart sunk. Oh. Because we're doing well in the world. It's easy to send the money. It's easy for this alabaster, right? You go shake out your couch cushions and find the money and you put it in there. But at home. And I got to thinking, God, that's not what you want from the church. 
That's not how you design the church because in every other world area, the church is going like gangbusters, man. It's thriving. And so I thought, what could I share? And the Lord led me to this passage um, in the New Testament, and the Gospel of Matthew. And it contains some really interesting things in here that I'll just touch on really quickly. But would you stand as we read God's word together? I promise it's just a short passage. I may be a slow reader, though. (laughs) But hear the word of the Lord this afternoon. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, would you bless bless this uh, word, and Lord, to our own spirits this afternoon. Lord, you speak to us through the words in this scripture here. May it penetrate our heart, God, to the deepest place, to our soul even. And Father, just um, bring to us encouragement. Bring to us challenge, Lord, even conviction, we pray. And God, we just want you to be glorified today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. You know, as we think about this short passage, it includes some zingers in there that you just cannot get around. You know, it says Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. If you go back and, and, and you study a little bit about Caesarea Philippi, it was way in the north of Israel. And this was a place that was known for some, some pretty pagan things that would go down. Some idol worship, of course, uh, but some other things that were not esteeming God as God. And Jesus dares to go into the place where God's not real popular. It's a very pagan place. And as I thought about that, I'm like, you know, our culture, even in our own United States, has kind of become more pagan. We want to say secular but really it's pagan because everyone's going to serve some kind of God. They're just not going to name some religious thing. Money can be a God. There are other things that can be God. We won't name them all in mixed company this afternoon, but you know the idea. If you worship something more than you worship Jehovah God Almighty, then it becomes your God. But Jesus dares to go there. He dares to go to the place that was dominated by this kind of worship. Now, of course, uh, the Romans were in power. Of course, there's very much Greek influence here. And so Jesus asked one of the two critical questions in this passage that I think we still need to ask ourselves, maybe even on a daily basis, just to remind ourselves. Jesus says, who do people say the Son of Man is? Who do people say that Jesus is? Think about our own culture today. And you think there are so many different prescriptive things that people say that Jesus, well, he was a good teacher. Uh, He was a good man. You know, some people say, well, I love Jesus, but I don't like his followers. You know, they they just have this disconnect somewhere. 
And when we think about who Jesus is, in this day they said, well, some say, hey, he's John the Baptist, he's Elijah, come back, he's Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Those are all great answers. And, you know, it is true that Jesus was a good teacher, that Jesus was a good man, that Jesus may have even been a good prophet, but he was more than that, so much more than that. And so the second critical question that's asked, well, who do you say that I am? Who do we say that Jesus is from our mouths? Who do we say that Jesus is by our actions? Do our actions portray who Jesus Christ is and what he has come to do? My wife and I have been battling colds all week, so I hope you can excuse me here. Who do you say Jesus is? The living water? Is Jesus the one that quenches your thirst? Simon Peter, again, doesn't hesitate to stand up and to answer. The answer he gives, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. No hesitation. I love people like Peter. They're impetuous. They leap before they think. Just think about Peter jumping out in the water. He wasn't thinking, but yet he did it. Now, I know if you're on a planning committee, those kind of people drive you nuts, <laughs> right? If you're here this morning or this afternoon, God bless you. Peter wasn't afraid. He knew who Jesus was. Those two critical questions, one we still are ones we still need to ask ourselves. Who are other people saying about Jesus? And is that matching up with who Jesus really is? And is who Jesus really is, is who we're proclaiming him to be through our thoughts, our words, our actions. But the thing that comes next, boy, it's powerful. So powerful, the things that happen. Because Jesus hears this great confession and gives something powerful that we've got to we've got to hang our hat on this. Jesus says, "Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven." The divine revelation to Peter to be able to proclaim this and to be able to live this out. But it doesn't stop there because Jesus goes on to say, and I tell you that you are Peter, Petra, Petros, little rock. But on this rock, well, which rock is he talking about? Talking about Peter? Not necessarily. But he's talking about the, the rock, this rock-solid confession. He said, I'm going to build my church on that confession, that you are the Messiah. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Why are we gathered here today? Because at one point, one point in time, you latched on to Jesus. Or better yet, Jesus latched on to you. You laid hold of that confession that Jesus is the one who could save you from your sin. Who could give you new life in him. And could help you to live the, to be the kind of person that God had created you to be. It's that kind of confession that Jesus says, I'm going to build my church on that. And not just that, 
the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Gates are stationary things, right? They don't really move except to open and to close. And those things that want to keep you back, that want to keep you closed in, God's Spirit moving in you, it's not going to hold back when the church decides to advance on those positions. I will give you the keys to the kingdom, the Scripture says. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned them not to tell anyone. The thing that I love in this, this part here is always a mystery. But then I got to thinking, the most popular person in the school or in the church is the one that has the keys to everything. Because they have the authority to have those keys. You ever worked for a company where you had to sign keys in and out? And you got like a gigantic key ring? When I first met my wife, um, we weren't married yet, but she was a school janitor. Little known fact, at her own uh, junior high school, I think it was, or elementary school. But she had to sign in this gigantic ring of keys. She was like the key master when it was her shift. And those keys opened everything. Everything as a little kid, you're walking around the school and you're scratching your head saying, I wonder what this, what's behind this door? Well, my wife had the key to open that door. She could tell what it was. Jesus told Peter, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. That authority to let people in and out of the kingdom of God. What is that authority? Well, it's the good news. It's the message that Jesus saves. It's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we want the church to advance, to push through those gates that Satan likes to set up, those gates of hell, then we've got to make sure that we know that we have the keys to the kingdom. That we have those keys to share with people, to unlock Christ in their lives. The good news that Jesus saves, he transforms, he enables to live holy lives. And we keep the gates locked when we choose not to share who Jesus is. For whatever reason, if it's an inconvenience to us, maybe we, we, we can't. Maybe we don't know what to say. Maybe we're tired of their objections. And so we don't share. And it keeps the church from advancing. What I love about sharing the good news of Jesus, you just open your mouth and let the Holy Spirit work through you. You ain't got to be perfect. You just have to be willing. When the Lord calls you to say, okay, let me give it a try. And the simplest way to share the good news of Jesus is to share how you became a Christian. Now, you might have a boring story like mine. All I did was come forward on a Sunday night, kneel at an altar. My dad stood behind me while a deacon opened the Bible and he showed me how to be saved. Showed me who I was and who I could be in Jesus. But it's not boring to those that are dying. It's not boring to those that are hungry for the bread of life. Those who are thirsty for the living water for their lives to be transformed. It's not boring for them. So I'll tell you what I told myself. Get past yourself. And just share the good news of who Jesus is. See, if we want the church to advance, which is, I think, what all you want, you wouldn't be here on a Saturday. You want the church to go forward. I think if there's the key to having the mission and the slide of the church that's happening in USA Canada right now, is for us individually to take up the task of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with others. To not be afraid to evangelize. I know that's a scary word, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, sharing the good news. 
making new friends and, and sharing Jesus with them. But there's something else that happened here with this declaration. Because remember, I told you they're at Caesarea Philippi. And if you could just imagine with me this afternoon, a gigantic rock face behind us. You know, kind of like you see when you go a little past Marsing or when you're down by Twin Falls, you know, just the big basalts, just that kind of rock. Just imagine that gigantic rock behind us. And imagine right behind me, kind of a 30-foot cave. And this region, there was a little river that flew out of this, or flew out, flowed, flowed, flewed, what? It, yeah, it came out of this cave behind me, all right? And right next to that, over on this side, there were little portices, a little porches, little arches carved in there. And it was this place, Caesarea Philippi, where they worshipped the pagan god Pan. Pan's the one with a little flute. He's got goat legs, you know. He was a small g god for fertility. And so they would go there. They'd bring offerings to this false god. And, and they would worship him there so that they would have good crops, fertility in their family. They would have success in life. And this river that flowed out of this cave and the place where it came from, they said, this cave is called the Gates of Hades. So Jesus was making a statement right here at Caesarea Philippi with his disciples. I will build my kingdom upon this rock. And the gates of Hades is not going to prevail against it. Jesus was like setting down a marker. Kind of like I was watching a Florida State football game. They, it was an away game. At this Florida State football game, you know, they got the guy that rides on the horse and he's got like a spear. And so he rode to the center 50-yard line where the other team's logo is and he took the spear and he stabbed it right into the spear or into the the logo right there at midfield trying to make a statement florida state's going to beat you that's kind of what i have in mind with this passage is jesus was saying hey it's a declaration of war and folks we got to get that in our mind that we are in a war we can't really see it sometimes we feel it but that we are in the position that we already know we're going to be victorious. We already know we're going to be the winners. Amen. We've just got to go through and to be able to have the courage to share the good news with others. Share the good news of what Jesus is doing. So folks, just to wrap it up, there are two crit critical questions. Who's the world say Jesus is? Man, so many different answers. But who do you say Jesus is? It starts with the profession, the confession, like Peter had. You're the Christ, Messiah, the son of the living God. Okay, if that's the case, then you've got the keys to the kingdom to share that news with others, with people that don't believe. doesn't have to be complicated. It can be just simple. As a matter of fact, I like simple best. To steal a, a phrase from Nike, if I can do that, just do it. Just go and do it. As the Lord opens doors, and he will, just have the courage to say, have you ever considered Jesus? Or let me tell you what Jesus Christ did. If there's anything that's going to change the trajectory of the church, if our church is going to be an advancing church, and I don't mean just this church, but every congregation, especially the congregations that bear the name Nazarene, if we're going to see the tide turn, it's going to be up to us just to go do that. Now, don't get me wrong, prayer, finances, all the other stuff's involved, but we've got to be willing to do that. Look at the statistics again. Everywhere we've thrown our money and our efforts behind is growing. 
We're still throwing money in ministries in the United States, Canada, but are we putting in the effort? Let's make sure of it for our own conscience. And I don't mean you guys, okay? But I mean each one of us individually. Are we doing all we can to advance the kingdom of God? Trusting that God has already provided the victory and we're just, we're just playing the game. We're just going in. We're just not going through the motions. That's not the good way to put it. But we're advancing the way the Holy Spirit wants us to when he opens the doors and says, go for it. Hey, take that for what it's worth today. But I would love to have a word of prayer with you. And in this prayer, I don't know what the Lord's doing. He's doing something. I never expected I'd be standing here in, in February uh, speaking the good news to y'all. It's not something I was looking for back when Pastor Scott called me. and said, hey, have you ever considered a Mountain View? I said, no, I just got back from sabbatical. I'm loving McCall. <laughs> well, pray about it. I said, thanks for turning my afternoon upside down, Scott. God's up to something. I'm excited to see what. Would you pray with me? Father, we just come to you this afternoon. and Lord, thank you for working through my sniffles. Working through my sweats up here. And Lord, just uh, hopefully our message just penetrates our heart. There's a world that's dying. There's a world that needs you. There's friends of ours that are just dying on the vine. Family members that just needs the transformative work of your Holy Spirit, God. And so, Lord, would you move? Move in us. Lord, open doors. Help us to share, to not to be afraid. Lord, may we, uh, we make the steps necessary to follow the, the movement of your Holy Spirit, God. And it's in his name that we do thank you, God, for his power, the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives through prayer and Father, the power of Jesus that's brought us together. Father, we love you so much. God, I just pray for this congregation. I pray for the church of the Nazarene. That, Lord, together, this congregation, with every other congregation in the Intermountain District, Lord, every district in the United States and Canada, God, we'll take seriously the great commission to go and make Christ-like disciples in the nations. And that, Father, we will not waver from that. And Lord, let us not neglect what we're doing in our own towns, in our own communities, in our own areas. Father, we pray you'll be glorified. It's in the name of Jesus we pray this afternoon. Amen. Amen.